Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin Memories on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ online to the masses live and in the moment at RadioNorthland.org and don't forget about tune in. You can find us there as well. Glenn Broggett with you back once again with another you know, another very interesting edition of the program. We never we never try to get stale or uninteresting, but yes, this is going to be a one you want to stick around for uh, to enjoy. Uh, and help me out with this, and came up with the idea for this, and I give him uh, his propers, is one grizzled vet, Mike McCurdy. Mike, uh, who not only came up with the idea, got the guest today, and this is going to be a good talk, I have a feeling. Oh, yeah, man, I'm glad to be back for another week of wrestling Memories. And, yeah, like I said, we've got a good topic this week, and it's an ever-changing topic because, obviously, it's, it's, it's all new, and every day there's something different coming out. We are going to be talking about, of course, the WWE sale to Endeavor and just where that's been going and what mm-hmm. that's leading up to. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting conversation. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, again, we did our, our last time we uh, had our chat. It was one day removed from night two of uh, WrestleMania here. And, uh, yeah, you could say things are, are starting to move around a little bit. Things are happening. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about the sale and the merger, all of that. But... Oh, a lot of a lot of moving pieces that are going to continue to move, and I guess it's try not to get motion sickness from all the all the stuff to, that's going to be coming up here, especially when dealing with this merger. Oh yeah, every day something different comes up. I mean, after we finished recording on a Monday, and Monday night everything started blowing up as far as you know changes and everything. So, you know, there were stories of people getting, you know, segments getting cut, show being rewritten at the last minute. Obviously, Monday Night Raw had a little Vince McMahon feel to it for the masses. Uh, you know, the, the Triple H announcements and everything. So, yeah, it's oh, yeah. like I said, it's an ever-evolving story. Yeah, yeah Vince uh, still looking like Max Baird Jr. He's got the Max Baird Jr. look these days. I mean, uh, I don't know. I still think he's going to uh, take some of his money and bring back uh, full-spin uh, riverboat casinos. You're starting to wonder. I think Jim Cornette refers to him as like Snidely Whiplash is his, uh, <laughs> is his uh, gimmick name for him. So, but you gotta love that mustache, man. That thing. I mean, we can uh, talk for hours about just about that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He found the formula. <laughs> he found the formula. Before we get to our guest, though, and we'll probably talk about this uh, with with our guest today. Uh, the recent A and E biography of the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, has uh, just aired uh, a few days removed here from this recording, and. They really got did a, a magnificent job with this one. I, I, I had a chance to watch it on Monday. Um, I had it uh, in my DVR, and wow, I was very, very impressed. I've enjoyed these, uh, you know, these doc, the stuff, these A and E biographies uh, they, they've done with the WWE, but this one was just had something extra, extra special to it. Uh, what, what, what are you, your thoughts on it, Mike? I know that you had have, had watched it and really, really uh, got into it. Your, your, your final thoughts on this. I thought it was magnificent. I think it was the best one that they've had in this series. I mean, there have been some good ones. You know, Mick Foley was, you know, was pretty good. And the one on China was, you know, a good piece. But I think this one by far is the best one they've done. Uh, I've heard nobody have any negative things to say about it. I'll admit I even teared up a little bit watching it just to hear some of the stories. And, you know, everyone talking about, you know, when his daughter talks about how, by the time she got to the hospital, his eyes were closed, and you're like, oh, you know, she didn't get to say goodbye to him, and just, 
it was a, it, it played with your emotions. It was a tearjerker, and you know, for those who know, and I didn't know, I learned some things about Dusty Rhodes. So for people who didn't know a lot about Dusty Rhodes, man, I mean, I don't even think you had to be a wrestling fan to enjoy this story. I mean, it was a lot about family, and I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just the ups and downs of of of, of, of a family, especially in their case too. I mean. Uh, with with uh, you know father and son tension and tension that 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 bleeding over into uh, sibling territory when 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 Dusty and Dustin were having their differences uh, uh, in the 90s. Thankfully, mm-hmm. that got resolved and peace was made. And there's you know th- there was a lot of good years that they got to spend together. But yeah, you want to talk about real real? This was a very well put together doc. And uh, Mike. Let's get into, you know, we've talked a little bit about what's been shaking the foundations of uh, pro wrestling and sports entertainment, uh, not only with WWE. We'll get into EEW, too, as well, and maybe recap some of the Mania Weekend stuff. But the WWE, what's going on with McMahon? You, you brought in a guest who's no stranger to uh, to Vinny. Uh, I want to give let you uh, give uh, the introduction. Of course, he's been on the program before. It's always a good, uh, wonderful learning experience having him on the show. Take it away, Mike. I was going to say, he's no stranger to Vinny and he's no stranger to us. Uh, we decided we wanted to talk about, you know, the sale of WWE to Endeavor. We can talk about the Dusty Rhodes documentary, a little bit of a- you know, AEW. They got the big announcement over there in Wembley Stadium. So we reached out and we brought on a man who has agreed to be a correspondent with uh, Wrestling Memory. So people are going to hear from him more often. He's going to come on and kind of talk about the topics and... You know, so we'll be bringing him on a regular basis. But our guest this week is, as you said, returning guest, none other than Dr. Mike Leno. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Can I uh, just say a couple of quick things? I had some photos in the Dusty documentary, as I did in Ray Jr. and the Mick Foley. And uh, I've at least been paid. I don't know if I've got photos that'll be on camera, but I've been paid for them. So I'm assuming I will for the Iron Sheiks this Sunday. Iron Sheik on the A&E and then some of the... the hidden or lost treasures program uh today also bully ray reminded me early this morning uh, today's the 26th or as we tape this 26th anniversary of barely legal which i shot a photograph for both of the japanese magazines uh, i was the only gaishin or foreign photographer writer to work for both of them at the same time shukan weekly gone which has uh, been gone or went bankrupt about 14 years ago and its younger competitor that's the only one the only weekly newsstand wrestling magazine in japan shukan baseball uh you know shukan means weekly and it has no baseball in it just wrestling and mma uh but uh something well uh the area manual if we want to get into it and actually i want to say about vince mcmahon because you know, I've been shooting since the late 60s, have worked for every New Sand Wrestling magazine. We don't have that many left anymore, but I was uh, still contributor to WWE for their photo galleries, their online stuff, but contributed uh, for their magazine. When, and, you know, they had two at one point, Raw and SmackDown magazines. Now there's nothing. Just on the Vince thing, I think he kind of looks like a cross between not just Max Bear Jr. from the Beverly Hillbillies, you know, later on when he grew the mustache. But Wayne Newton, the love child of Max Bear Jr. and uh, and Wayne Newton. Remember- <laughs> you got it, Mike. That is great. <laughs> if anybody remembers, Max Bear Sr. <coughs> was um, both an actor but a, uh, a big-time heavyweight champion oh. boxer. So I guess, well, well, one last thing, too. That Raw last Monday, uh, just a couple of days ago, 
and I was at and tried to cover. I'm, I'm still recovering. Got sick covering or trying to photograph everything that happened WrestleMania week, not just limited to WrestleMania itself, where they put us, the few of us that shoot, we have to have our macro lenses and hard camera. But the only thing I really didn't get a chance to shoot at all, I didn't bother with Raw or SmackDown or Hall of Fame. And this year, it seemed like the way they did Hall of Fame was sadly kind of an afterthought, all deserving folks. That, that Raw, you could tell Vince more and more, I'm just guessing, I don't know for a fact, but I'm just guessing, because we're back to not saying the word wrestling. We're back to calling referees officials, which is the same job title they give Adam Pierce, but he's not officiating matches. Uh, hearing, I forget which female wrestler talk about, maybe it was Liv Morgan, uh, medical facility, which is a detestable word. It, you know, I don't know why they use that or Vince prefers that maybe so they don't get sued saying they went to a hospital or uh, they don't get into real life too much, but it had all of the his terms back. The and, and the verboten terms are gone once again, which has been so refreshing. And however long we've had and enjoyed the Triple H, you know, regime or the writing, the head of creative, and Vince not there, even though he was there, maybe not interfering at all. But now it feels like full on interference and. Uh, you know, but they, they had the most successful week, and there were so many things, cool things that happened. I wasn't there. I must have just missed it. The Scott Steiner incident. Um, there were quite a few um, trans folks, and it's neat seeing, you know, depending where you are, maybe you don't agree, but I'm a California dude, and seeing more representation, more uh, African-American, Hispanic, Asian-American, uh, people, different persuasions in wrestling, is like a good thing because it's been too long a uh, an old white man's business and um, maybe that'll bleed into this stuff you know covering now so i'm i'll just tell you uh, i've been writing a lot about eric emmanuel who owns endeavor and i had some contributions in the financial times newspaper in europe uh, on it but they've been covering this as have like for a lot of newspapers this by uh, and the fact that WWE was valued a couple of billion less than UFC made front page news on the LA Times, New York Times, etc. You know, where they'd have a little tease on the front page and then you'd have to go to like page A12 for the full story. But a lot of paragraphs. So everybody was covering this. What, what do you guys know so far about Endeavor? Because Endeavor, this guy has been a very aggressive, like a super agent acquiring and melding like William Morris. Uh, oh, well, Ari Emanuel, I mean, come on, look at him as far as uh, agents in, in Hollywood and now he has made his climb now and uh, how he, you know, has gotten his uh, his fingers into the, you know, to, first into the UFC and now with, with you know, WWE with this, this proposed, this merger, I mean, good Lord, uh, it's going to be controlling everything. But you think about it now with a guy who is uh, one of the big, big uh, you know, co kahunas in this deal you know is involved with the entertainment industry you know now pro wrestling sports entertainment whatever you want to call it has long been short of something that the entertainment industry has had for so many years and of course it's always seemed to be more of a pipe dream than anything else but with that profile would it you know will there ever be the discussion on on unionization or having some better form of available benefits and stuff now that you're under these, this big umbrella, or will it just be corporate, empty business as usual? 
Well, UFC, um, that's been an ongoing thing. And, and when you talk to the athletes, either the MMA uh, fighters or the wrestling athletes, uh, they always say, well, it's going to have to come from within. You know, we're not going to get it. But the artists are represented, you know, the various uh, that are fitting in underneath of the umbrella of Endeavor mm-hmm. uh, in terms of film and TV folks and the people that, you know, there's so many uh, aspects to WMA, William Morris Agency, under an, uh, Endeavor, uh, that are, you know, that whole Hollywood, if you want to call it Hollywood, uh, they are all unionized, from the carpenters that build the sets to the writers, you know, we're facing uh, the vote on the, the writer's strike, the Writers Guild of America, and that's going to have a huge monetary impact on Endeavor, uh, as it will to you know, TV outlets and because you got to production. think there's going to be some sort of changes made in in those areas because it's going to be so much more visible now with this deal. Well, we'll have to see. It's excellent timing with Tony Khan's announcement of the uh, uh, the Wembley show, mm-hmm. and it's not an arena; it's an outdoor stadium. You know that uh, we're hoping that they get beyond fifty thousand. I mean, 50, 40, 50,000 is going to be excellent, but. When you have that going on, uh, you're you're still going to have that competition and people looking at what Tony Khan is offering, and uh, you know. So I, I'm hoping that sparks again talk of unionization because the last time anybody seriously tried this was Jesse Ventura, and as you probably know very well, mm-hmm. uh, he claimed that Hulk Hogan squealed him out to Vince on that to put the kibosh on anybody trying to unionize, and that was the '80s. And there hasn't really been any serious, you know, there's been talk, but no action since. There have been lawsuits and all of that stuff, but they're still basically independent contractors. Uh, although I, I think it's a little more, the terms are a little more uh, both legal and kosher, I, I'm guessing, with, uh, with Tony Khan's AEW, in that uh, they, they get true, you know, it's not parceling out who gets medical when they take time off when they're injured. I mean, it's just a given they're going to be taken care of properly in AEW and some go case by case in the other company. So uh, the time is ripe, definitely. The time has been ripe for decades and decades and decades. They should have been unionized back in the 50s or 60s at the latest, Mm -hmm. but that just never uh, came about. And um, it's, it's... I mean, how can you call these guys independent contractors where they're not allowed to work anywhere? It's it's still ridiculous. It's unimaginable. You know, I don't know how they've been able to get away with it uh, legally, but, you know, know, they have. I'm not saying anything's been done underhanded, but, you know, the guys have to, the boys and girls, the workers, the athletes, the talent, they have to unionize. I agree. Especially uh, with the, you know, in the past 20, 25 years, uh, actually now, yeah, because meantime's been moving so fast. Uh, just, you know, with some of the, 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 the moves, some of the high risk stuff, you know, you, you see uh, the, that injury, the Martin Kid head at uh, Ring of Honor, you know, on that chair, on that table spot. Ugh. I mean, boy, you think about that one and <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't pretty, but I mean, in this era of having the high spot and the, oh, the Oz and the Pops. I think having having some sort of, uh, you know, I guess better representation and having insurance uh, would probably be good for these guys. I mean, like your Darby Allens of the world and stuff. I mean, I mean, look at that. I mean, now when you look at Jeff Hardy, for example, 
you know, think about those guys now. I mean, he's on the, the latter end of his career and oh, you got to think, you got to feel for those. I mean, who, who did do all those risks, you know, I mean, for, for the money and, and the fame, but when father time starts to, to battle, father time usually wins. You have to learn to work. And that's what I, I wouldn't call them grizzled, you know, at all. I've been around and watching wrestling since the sixties, still watch. I don't know how anybody does it today. It's, it's a, sometimes a chore because it's so long you know mm -hmm. for example three hours monday tuesday now when dark side of the ring returns you've got the two hours of nxt which is can't miss you've got two hours of mlw which is can't miss now you're going to have however long dark side returning also on a tuesday same time as mlw on reels uh you know it's just it's very difficult and then like last friday two hours of smackdown and then the two hours of AEW was it gets to be rough and we're not even talking about uh, <laughs> streaming stuff. Yeah. And but, you think about with MLW, uh, you know, their deal being on reels, which is part of the Peacock thing uh, they're they're going to probably end up having to look for some, a different outlet as well because of the exclusive uh, WWE th contract that they had with, with Peacock. Well, we'll just see what happens. There's been a lot of changes. You know, now we're hearing that HBO max when it goes to max, it's going to be incorporated in with there'll be a lot more programming on it. I forget uh, mm -hmm. uh, what else is going to be lumped in with the HBO stuff. People that just get it, you know, if you have HBO in your cable or satellite system, you're already paying for it. You get HBO Max for free, but that may be a thing of the past and people are fretting a, a little bit before when you mentioned ROH. One last quick thing. We know that uh, Mascarita uh, Dorado has worked as himself since leaving WWE well over a year and a half ago. But I thought he appeared on, uh, maybe I'm wrong, I thought he appeared on AWTV under his traditional Mexican name, Mascara Dorado. And, but now I see on the Ring of Honor Club, the weekly show, he's going as Metalik, his WWE name. Hmm. Uh, he's challenging the ROH champion, Claudio Castagnoli. And, uh, are they calling him Grand Metalik? No, just Metalik. So they they dropped the G R A N, Grand or Grand. Just stricken with with Metalik then. Uh. But but you for example, look at last night's uh, AEW Wisconsin crowd. The only time the crowd popped, and I've talked to people that were there last night, uh, was for the insane spots. You know that Darby that almost within the first minute of the match, uh, and that was the opener last night on Dynamite. That quick. Came, you know, right through the, the ring ropes, mm -hmm. and that was just an amazing. But so it, jarring you know, that was. It's dangerous, but the crowds now seem to be trained and are just going for high spot, high spot, as opposed to traditional psychology and all of the other stuff. You know, so it wouldn't fly. I was entertained by Johnny Valentine having a headlock on Jack Briscoe for twelve minutes, and you know, moving around and would Jack escape it and yada yada, and it was thoroughly entertaining. And no risk to the guys and no light being shown, if that term means anything to anybody, you know, nothing exposing the biz. It looked all legit, like collegiate amateur, which Eddie Graham favored, but wouldn't fly today. People would be bored. They would yell boring. And we've got to get the fans to getting less and less of these dangerous high spots. That'll help the boys, whether they're unionized, whether they have major medical. I mean, look at Tony Khan. He supported... Jeff Hardy financially all the way through. I don't know if that would have happened anywhere else. 
Now, to WWE's point, I mean, for years and years and years, I don't know if they still financially support Draws, for example, who got injured and was paralyzed and, and some other folks. And I know they're generous in helping people, but we need to go beyond that. And there needs to be like retirements for these guys beyond medical care. And I think things are great on the AEW side. I hope people look at what they're doing for their talent and incorporate it into their own companies. Absolutely. Uh, Grizzle vet Mike McCurdy, I'm going to bring you into the conversation with our guest, Mike Leno. I'd like to ask a little bit, uh, get your opinion on that, Mike. We're talking about uh, insurance and all that, and do they unionize? If something, this just came into my head, if something like that actually did happen, wrestlers got insurance, would that change the style of wrestling that we're seeing on TV now? Because if they're offering insurance saying, okay, we'll cover your medical bills, would they not be apt to say, okay, hey, no, you're not doing the off-the-ladder spot or that spot like uh, Penta did with uh, Dante Martin at Ring of Honor? I don't think I would change it, too, because the boys are well into that. If you look at the initials on Brian Cage's gear, and I've known this since covering his earliest you know, matches in uh, Central California, then uh, Northern California, and then Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, which was basically where AEW got birth from. All of that talent, Young Bugs, Chris Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, Smojo, everybody came through, uh, Brian Danielson through that company, and, um, or get my spots in, is basically it. But that's the mentality of today's talent. They want to get their spots in. They want... And, and live for that crowd reaction, the pops to their high spots, the dangerous high spots. And they need to make a concerted effort to, you know, not like AEW, just like firework, 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 you know, every 10 seconds, some mind blowing thing is happening. And we love to watch it, but you know, a lot of it does come with risk and a, a lot of their talent because it's a far more physical style than the protective WWE Pat Patterson style of wrestling uh, they're getting hurt and they take time off you know we see various talents off uh, x amount of months some folks uh, chris statlander gosh it's been hasn't it been like a good 10 months since we've last seen her in action and uh, easy easy has to yeah. be 10 months it's been a long time since we've seen her on AEW television and i say this no matter what show i've got two weekly shows of my own or when i go on uh, busted open i covered that event as event photographer at the Whiskey A Go-Go during WrestleMania week that Saturday or the April 1st. But, um, you know, the, uh, it just, uh, it's rough. It, you know, it, it's, it, it's hard to get them out of that mindset uh, of, uh, because I, I've seen, I've watched these guys where, they're discussing their match before they go out backstage. And uh, if we can bring a, open up the curtain a little, I'm sure your audience already knows all of this. But, you know, you'll hear these guys talk, well, I want to do this, this, and this, and this will pop the crowd and that. And I, I just, I hope the Bully Rays and the Tazes and the Tommy Dreamers who have that knowledge uh, and they continually press upon the young guys of today uh, the Darbys, the Orange Cassidy's. I saw, like, I think I was at one of his earliest debuts of that character on the indie circuit once he unmasked from Shakara. But work smarter, not harder. And stop killing yourselves because things are a lot more entertaining when you parcel them out and, and you're not giving them, you know. I mean, the, the style that 
everybody is doing today in the U.S. is hybridized. Obviously, it's uh, hard kicking. It's, it's almost like a mix of all in New Japan. Throw in some Noah, throw in some Lucha, throw in some European style. And um, I think there's less insanity from the European style. The Zack Sabre Juniors, uh, the Will Ospreys. I mean, so much incredible talent coming out of Europe. And it's more mat and chain based as opposed to the insane you know, flying spots from Mexico and, and the stuff we get from Japan. Um, thankfully, at least we haven't heard of anybody needing neck surgery in quite a while. You know, serious neck surgery, I think maybe only GCW and, and promotions uh, not quite at the AEW or MLW level uh, are, are allowing. I mean, are you guys aware of any promotions allowing legit chair shots to the head right now anywhere other than, say, maybe Japan, the garbage groups in Japan? Like big, uh, like uh, great Kajika's group, they still allow it, but I'm not aware. Uh, I don't see it that often on Mexican TV, either in CMLL or AAA. But do you guys know, are you aware of any promotions where routinely? Nothing, nothing probably out of your average mud show. Yeah, uh, I mean, Game Changer, maybe they still pull the occasional, you know. But they're obviously more of a, uh, supposed to be a hardcore group, so. They, no. they almost remind me, they started out, it was a lot of the hardcore stuff, but now it's like ECW. They have quality matches, they have all kinds of styles, and it's not every single match that, uh, you know, involves juice and, and weapons and light bulbs, etc. Like, the November to Remember ECW show I shot ringside, that on top it had uh, Brian Pillman replace Steve Austin teaming with Shane Douglas against uh, Two Cold Scorpio and Ron Simmons is the main with Sherry getting power driven by Shane Douglas and Brian Pillman after they discovered a Ric Flair fake tattoo, a temporary tattoo on her boob that popped out, uh, which is part of the storyline. But the opening match was a tag team match and a, it was double juice, double juice chain match, opening match. And so ECW soon got away from that and offered, you know, some amazing Lucha guys and then like a Benoit Taz match. Uh, you know, so you had, it wasn't all about gore and violence. And it's great to have a little gore and violence, but not an entire card of it because you're burning out the audience. And that's what I think the high spots, that's what I keep hearing these veterans say, you're going to burn out the audience or your audience, your demographic. Well, the problem with some of these high spots, too, and we've been referring to Penta and Dante Martins, is they're unnecessary. I I watched the match. I watched the Ring of Honor show. I saw that spot. That spot had no... They could have not done that spot, and the match would have been the same. It didn't add to the match, change the match, elevate nothing. It was just a spot. A spot from A high spot from Phoenix... For me, would be fine if he never did anything beyond that, any of the insane, incredible stuff that he can do. And he's like still one of my number one favorite guys for year after year is uh, Phoenix. Is that, uh, I don't know what it is, it's like a Sayama a sidekick when he gets up on the top rope and he twists and just nails the guy with the side of his boot. You know, and nobody, it's less dangerous and it's spectacular looking and you're not jumping off a cage. Uh, and, and possibly risking Mick Foley type stuff. I'm looking at this, you know, there's some cool quotes from the, I didn't speak to Ari Emanuel, but uh, uh, the head guy at uh, uh, Financial Times did. And they were asking him, well, all of this stuff about Vince McMahon, you know, last year with all these settlements and settlements with uh, the female referee and, and more and allegations. 
and he doesn't seem to care. You know, he just, uh, he kind of was blowing it off. Uh, this is the article entitled, Super Agent Adroitly Fought His Way to the Top, Emmanuel's Acquisition of WWE, Combat Franchise is the latest in a string of ambitious deals that have disrupted Hollywood. The one thing that's weird about this, I'll ask you guys, because no one's, I'm not reading it, I haven't found it, is the claims that he's combining WWE and UFC. How could that be possible? That it doesn't mean you'd have crossover because even though we've got the Ronda Rouseys and Brock Lesnar's, there's very still very little uh, MMA or uh, faux MMA in WWE. What do you what do you guys think as a take on uh, on that? You know, I, I don't know when they say melding WWE with UFC. That's uh, the diametric opposite of a high spot. That's a negatory for me, unless they're just going to, um, well, we'll have to see what happens. I mean, uh, WWE programming on Peacock may be a thing of the past too with this. I, I don't know if you've talked about that, but that's another scary thing. Yeah, that's what I was wondering too. And I mean, what would happen if that were, were, were to come to fruition? Would it be back to the fifth, you know, to the pay-per-view model that they had uh, used previously before uh, the, the network? They've talked about that. The Peacock deal goes until, I believe, 2026. So there's still three years, and obviously nothing's going to change on that one. Um, most everything I've read, a lot of people talking about it, have said you can't put something back in a bottle. So they don't see it going back to the traditional the pay-per-view because the fans would not do it. We're conditioned now to... But but do you, you think know, a WrestleMania? But, but do you think a WrestleMania though? Because these guys deal in these UFC pay per views, and they know where uh, you know which ones hit and which ones are as far as the big money gainers. I mean, they they're conditioned the, their fan base. But do you think that they would try to pull something like if they were going to a, a mania of pay per view? They could try, but like I said, the fans conditioned people might just go. I'm not going to do it. Especially now with, uh, and I'm, I'm not going to condone this, but, you know, they're streaming on the internet you can find. People are going to find another way sure. to watch the show. So if they start charging for it, people are just going to go, okay, well, I'm just going to go find the stream. Well, here, here's what's going on. UFC does charge premium amounts from 49 to 89, I guess, whether it's HD that you're looking for, uh, for imagery. But they have, you know, the bigger pay-per-views, you have to... to, to purchase in addition to ESPN plus, but they have quite X amount a year on free TV, whether it's uh, CBS or, or Fox mm -hmm. and, uh, and pre-shows at least on free TV. And then if you, you have the streamer ESPN plus and you're getting most of them, but the, the mega ones you have to pay additionally for. And I, isn't that how, uh, I haven't tried yet honor club, Tony Khan's, Honor Club to support Ring of Honor, which we all love. But do you have do you have to pay an extra fee? Like with Honor Club, you're you're paying X amount a month to watch all of the footage. The Tony archive has. and the, I think you have to pay full up for the for the pay per view. It's kind of yeah. like too what what Impact Plus does, where they do give you some events, right. some premium events, but then you have to pay for the uh the, their pay per views that they run. It, you know, and then the WWE has, you know, kind of just, you know, in recent years here, have, you know, have tried to shy away from that using that whole pay-per-view you know, term to premium live events. So could this be like a case of, you know, how HBO with boxing back in the day, I could remember them having right. great live boxing matches, but having them be on the uh, on live in the moment. But 
you know, some of the bigger Mike Tyson fights would be on, on, on you know, KOTV or whatever they had, uh, uh, at the pay-per-view outlet they had at the time with Bob Arum and, and Don King. Do you think that that could be thrown into the possible equation? That sort of model, I know it's an outdated reference using the 80s, but having premium live events kind of like the HBO boxing series and then have the pay-per-views, the, the, the four pillars, be the events that people would, would be contro- sort of attempted to condition to buy into again as, as a so, full standalone? So, Cora, so what you're thinking is kind of like, you know, your, your backlash, your your money in the bank, those are going to be on Peacock like a free thing as they always are now as part of that package. But then, like, you know, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, SummerSlam, and Royal Rumble would be the four that they would actually charge The, the, the pillars, yeah. I think that that would be if they, ha- if they did resort to that. This is all just mere hypotheticals. But, I mean, if they were to, would that, I mean... If they did something like that, would that be, make the most sense? Because then you would still get these events. You'd still get I a lot of that. a lot of static. You just get a lot of traffic if they're on Peacock or if they move to that, uh, you know, with the ESPN uh, service. I could see that, but then again, like I said, with you know smart TVs and the internet and streaming, people are going to find a way around and just be like okay well i'm gonna get these as part of my peacock deal okay wrestlemania all right i'm gonna go turn on my smart tv and get the 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 stream i mean i'll admit i use that's how i watch aew pay-per-views um (laughs) and they're 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 you know hd quality you know streams so that's the thing i mean technology has kind of defeated the pay-per-view model almost because you can find even the usc pay-per-views you can find them streaming somewhere you know Technology That's how I thought it, but if you remember, and you can still do that with Showtime, they'll have the pay-per-view event that you have to pay to get mm-hmm. uh, because HBO no longer oh, has course, it. But yeah. for a while they did that. But if you wait a week or two weeks, they just air it right on Showtime. Like the replays of it. That's what HBO did as well. And that's yeah. what I do. So, you yeah. know, uh, I, I, don't ha- I don't necessarily have to watch it night of live. I'm happy to watch it later on in my own time mm-hmm. and free, you know, cause I get both cable and satellite, I've sure, got cable sure. TV and satellite and the uh, pickup, you know, so it's a shame HBO no longer has the, the boxing. It's, it's weird too, how, uh, Endeavor is going to navigate, you know, the waters because, uh, USA is what that's an NBC that's under NBC's, uh, mm-hmm. wing yeah, and then awesome. Fox on Friday how how are they going to navigate? You know, well, we'll have to see when contracts are up. What what happens? Ron SmackDown? Do they stay put? Can Endeavor endeavor to keep uh, peace with these two networks, particularly Fox? Uh, because uh, I, I don't think uh, Mr. Manuel is too big a fan of Mr. Murdoch. But you know, we'll see. Here's something else too in, along what we're talking about. I, I tore this article out. Uh, because I've been talking about it for the last month, and almost every day we're hearing Vice, and we're talking about the Vice Network. Embattled icon of new media puts itself up for sale. Uh, enthusiasm for Vice has fizzled. So, I mean, I love Vice. I would hate to see uh, all the wrestling content no longer available. Something, you know, if Vice goes down or isn't purchased or kept afloat. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see. So uh, everything on the wrestling front. Reels is, uh, you know, a difficult channel. So you're saying that uh, MLW may have to find a new home because of Peacock mm-hmm. and WWE. Well, that's very true. I would hope they would find, you know, because 
if we had BN on DirecTV only, actually also on the Comcast, and then both shed them. And I think only on the West Coast Spectrum, as a cable company was offering BN for you know watching the Friday night. I had BN Sports out here. Yeah, I had uh, that briefly too. I had, but we here. lost it, and then you know I was just watching it way later on Court Bauer. Court Bauer, I've known for a good thirty plus years, so very happy to see him. I mean, if you remember. MLW was on the Sunshine Florida. If you have Direct TV, it was on a Florida sports network 20 years ago when Court was doing it with uh, a lot of uh, impact TNA type talent that was great. And uh, what, what do you guys think of uh, MLW's program? It seems very raw. It seems like early ECW. It's very engaging. Uh, you know, the footage is grainy. It's not perfectly edited. I kind of love it because I hate overly polished things. Um, AW is a nice mix of both, but MLW is raw, gritty, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. Plus, I know all of those guys. A lot of those guys, like Jacob Fatu, started right in, in NorCal, or uh, the Usos and a lot of the guys. I've known them since they were kids. But what, what do you guys, when you watch... Uh, MLW, what have your thoughts been on it so far? It's only been on, I think, what, two and a half months? Not even that, maybe? Oh, on Reels? Yeah, it's only been on um, a couple months. I enjoy, I enjoy it. When they were out here in uh, Dallas a couple years ago, when they did the cage match with uh, Kevin Von Erich's boys and all, I was there. I was part of the ring crew for uh, wow. you know for that show. So it, it's a good product. And, you know, and I've known, like, you know, I've known Hammerstone for, you know, years. He used to wrestle for a... Uh, uh, WC up in Oregon back when I was still living on the coast. So, you know, it's fun to see him. And I think he's a guy that needs to, you know, one day possibly have the chance on a stage like AEW or maybe WWE because, you know, the guy's insanely talented and so is Jacob Fatu. That guy needs a spot as well. But on the flip side of that, you don't want to see him leave MLW because that's what's making people tune in. You know, one thing I told Taya Valkyrie at uh... – she was at a booth at WrestleCon. You know, I went there just to basically take pictures, say hi to a lot, a lot of friends. I could spend an hour, over an hour, talking with D'Lo Brown uh, and uh, Enzo, who said he just gave notice he was done with MLW. A lot of people may not know that. He said he got a great deal, handshake deal. He paid in all cash, loved Court Bauer, but he finished everything up with the microman angle. But Ty Valkyrie, I said, I wrote some articles on you being on like three different networks on TV, four major TV, four nights in a row uh, when they uh, made the announcement. You know, I mean, she was on like Dynamite on that Wednesday, the night before she was on MLW, uh, both of the hours, two separate shows of MLW, then Impact where she did the goodbye angle and the whatever it was. The Undead Realm stuff. And then she was on Friday again on uh, Rampage. And no wrestler, female or male, has ever done what she accomplished in four days. That's four, impressive. You know, three different unrelated wrestling companies, four major networks, four different major networks. Uh, yeah, Mike, you know. I, ha- I happened to be up in uh, Winnipeg for uh, the AEW tapings up there, so I had a chance to see her uh, make her debut. And uh, she got a really good reaction uh, from that Winnipeg crowd and... That was uh, one of those uh, really great nights for wrestling. I mean, I'm tired to step away from the subject here, but I uh, went up there. It was one of my first wrestling shows up in the Winnipeg uh, in their new, newish arena, and this is one of those kind of crowds. They were, it was so hot from start to finish that I, I could almost see Tony bringing up a pay-per-view up there just on the level of you could sell 
the Jericho. Uh, you could somehow reheat and recook Jericho and Omega in some way and make that sort of the battle, the battle of Winnipeg. I think they might have something there in the long term. How many people and was the the, the venue filled? Like last night, Frankie DeFalco said because he's in Wisconsin. Sure. Uh, they maybe got five thousand in the venue holds nine to eleven or something like that. So. You know, maybe that's why the crowd a lot of the time wasn't as energetic. Uh, the Winnipeg, I think the crowd was nuts. Fantastic crowd, energetic all night. And then, of course, when Omega and Jericho came out for oh, that whole... The pops uh, were amazing, Mike. It was, again, Winnipeg has been such a, a pro-wrestling town. People forget, I mean, the times, uh, with, with, you know, the association with the American Wrestling Association with Vern, those crowds that they would bring in the 70s and the 80s. Before. I shot there. I shot uh, title versus title. There was a flair, NWA versus Rick Martel, AWA. There was Bockwinkle, AWA versus Backland, but uh, the Winnipeg cards were unusual because primarily AWA, but then other wrestlers, there may be some other promotion wrestlers, an NWB guy here or two. Uh, it wasn't just strictly a formulaic AWA show. It was very unique, one of the most unique uh, territories, particularly Canada. Um, you know, so it was very, very cool. It almost reminded me of like the Vashon's Grand Prix promotion where you get uh, a lot of AWA guys, but then you might get, I, I mean, they had everybody at one point, Keller Kowalski, Don Leo Jonathan, Andre Jean Ferre debuting, the Vashon's, the LeDuc brothers, on and on. But Winnipeg, very cool territory from early 70s, late 60s on to current. It, it just wonderful hearing the crowd go absolutely nuts. It, it feels like, you know, Canadian fans, really are like Japanese fans. They they don't let anybody rewrite their history like Vince. And I'm talking Montreal, Toronto, Winnipeg. They appreciate their history. It's great to see. Oh, 100%. It was just nice to, that AEW finally finally took that step. And I mean, and they're finding it too. Like you said, how just the magnitude of a fan appreciation up in Canada. Uh, Tony has been opening it up even more here, heading out into the western half of the country uh, in the coming weeks and months. Uh, so they're definitely, I mean, they're going to be out near, near the Calgary Stampede. So there's finally uh, the ultimate end road. I mean, of course, with COVID knocking things back the way it did, they're finally able to get up into those markets. And then with the London announcement, doing the international thing. So this is a, a very, very important few months here in the existence of uh, Tony Khan and AEW in regards to really popping the Canadian market all the way cross country. And also putting on this show, getting the the right amount of pop and you know an interest in ammunition to to try to fill these seats. England has had great wrestling crowds, but what is going to be the sizzle? What will be the stake that that brings them out there? What- well, listen to this one. Uh, I forget if it was Cash Wheeler of FTR put out there something that. Doesn't have to be main event, but it could really ensure that they go well over fifty thousand, maybe over the sixty thousand number we're hoping for. I'd love to see you know hit eighty ninety, which would really scare Endeavor's WWE, FTR, and CM Punk versus the Elite. I think that would be pretty major. And, so. and the buildup is important though too. I mean, you have all these seeds planted, but. You continue to, again, sizzle up that steak, man. You could have something, something big. That's one of the big major links that could bring a lot of people out there because AEW's got a great, great, in that position where 
they could cultivate not only the, the what's in the roster in the states, but from their relationships with other companies overseas, like Japan, UK, etc. Oh, we're going to have that on the the Forbidden Door pay per view. Sure. I, I know there'll be X amount of New Japan superstars. Hopefully, in Okada, because uh, British fans are very well educated, very knowledgeable. Oh, sure. They love their Japanese. You know, and fans by and large around the world, everywhere, are far better educated. Mexican fans, they know uh, up and down, not just limited to Mexico City, but you know, pockets like Acapulco and elsewhere, Guerrero, Mexico. Uh, they they know who the American guys are. They know who the top Japanese guys. Uh, so we're going to probably see that to get that amped up, and they got to start now because that card is what it's May is it May twenty six something like that. Oh, the the, uh, the UK card, You're right? Wembley. That's going to be up that's here. in August. Late, that's going to oh, be in August. August. Yeah, okay. Right All right. Yeah, I'm thinking tickets are available in May. Sure, sure. That's when the sizzling starts to really happen. They got to get that sizzle going. But I, I think they're going to do a great job. I, I look and I go, there is Tony has way too much talent. When a guy I used to love in ROH, you know, the the, the traditional ROH, Silas Young has the job very quickly. Last night, what to to Will Hobbs, a guy. Uh, I, I've known. I shot his first match. I was that. I think that's who jobbed to uh, to Will last night. And yep. I was yes. blabbing. Uh, got a big hug from him at WrestleCon. So I shot his training matches and his mat, first matches in front of people. He had a variety of names, you know, as Mike McCurdy probably uh, remember. Uh, and, and to see him, superstar, and, and some of the other folks. Bailey, you know, was uh, just Davina Rose in the Bay Area. Yeah. Uh, and she had I said had that, her, that her second match when she wrestled. Yeah, was it was at a Kirk White show. Yep. Yeah, she. I would. I had asked you her, where'd you get? Where'd you get that work name? Yeah, because I mean, I've shot her working with Gail Kim and quite a few people that Kirk would bring in, late Kirk White. But she said she took that name. I don't know how true that is from both of her grandmas. Davina was one, and Rose was the yeah, other. Yeah, they're her grandmother's uh, names. Yeah, so that's the name she used in uh, Shimmer, and, and I think she also worked for Shine. What is going on with Shimmer and Shine? I don't think either one are uh, active right now, because Dave Prasak is very busy with commentary. I don't think they're happening right now, which is a great place, you know, all women's promotions to showcase. So I think now Maria Canales and uh, Bobby Cruz have that all women's group. I think that's one of the few around. The, the one in Montreal is long gone. Mm -hmm. uh, so unless folks know, I hope they'll call into the show and say, hey, well, there is still Shimmer or Shine or whatever. Sure. But I've not heard anything active in a good year from either company. Speaking of the ladies, though, and as far as the AEW and, and wanting to get the that sizzle going, you got Mercedes Monet, Monet, the former Sasha Banks is out there. Could there be some interest in her uh, building up to a big match? Whether it would be to end the Jade Cargill streak could be in Wembley if they can if they're able to be that patient with that streak. Could it be an AEW Championship uh, or women's title match? It's got to be something if they're able. Do you think there will be able to bring someone like that into the? I mean, that's another person with with still got some interest, still got something going on there, especially with her work in New Japan. But by that point in August, she'll have. No, little to no rust as far as being in the you know in the ring on an active rate. But do you see the uh, the possibilities of bringing her in for that show as a, a a big attraction as far as their ladies' division goes? Oh, I think she'll definitely be on that show. We have to wait and see. I mean, I'd like to see Taya Valkyrie on Jade Cargill's streak, but I would sizzle it out, wait and wait. Maybe even have a three way. 
who knows? But I, I almost, from what I'm hearing, it's uh, pretty much a given that uh, Mercedes Monet is going to be on that Wembley show, which would be huge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And hopefully she'll be on some AEW prior to that. There's no reason why with the, you know, it seems like now the working arrangement is so good as opposed to what it was when AEW started and New Japan was pissed at them. Uh, you know, they're sending guys that, you know, to take some time away that may have been getting a little bit stale in, uh, in New Japan to AEW and, uh, and then freshen them up or they're sporadically appearing like Juice Robinson. Uh, so they mean more instead of being on every single show. So there's no reason why. I mean, they're not really doing, you know, the buzz has died down a, a pinch on Mercedes in New Japan. So she needs to come and do some AEW shows and, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe would... appear on more. Maybe she'll be on, you know, they don't ever, when you watch New Japan, at least on Access, like tonight after uh, Impact, they never really advertise the cards. You know, they just say, well, we're going to be in Washington. We're going to be in Philly or New York or San Jose. But they never say what the, the cards are. you got to... You can't be like AAA and people don't know what, who's who's facing who, who's even on the show until like the day of an event. You got to, you know, let folks know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's well, my I- only qualm. Obviously, New Japan is stellar, stellar, perhaps one of the world's great promotions, uh, or if not the great promotion with AEW, uh, a very close second because they're utilizing loads of New Japan stars. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, you just mentioned Impact. I mean, the, I, I I have the Impact Plus. I do the thing on YouTube so I'm able to watch the show because I don't have uh, access. But I've really been enjoying the, uh, I mean, of course, just how the changes of, of Jordan Grace uh, in, her, in her look and in ring. But I'm also impressed with the, uh, some of the matches her husband, Jonathan Grisham, and oh. Speedball Mike Bailey have been having. And, I mean, those guys are putting on some great, great stuff. I mean, and among other people in that company that you really can't really sleep on. And also, Impact, another one of those that has good relationships with basically every company. Hell, they even have a good one with, with WWE at the moment. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what their TV was just a couple of years ago when mm-hmm. you could kind of fast forward... Uh, sadly, I mean, they've had up and, and down periods since the TNA or earliest uh, Wednesday pay-per-views. But now the, the talent pool, they uh, they always have some great matches. I just wish and hope they do a little bit more because we've seen Gresham jobbing a little. And that kind of keeps reminding me of what happened with him against Claudio and the screaming match, alleged screaming match with Tony. Can you imagine? I wish he had been kept in AEW. I wish he had teamed with... Uh, you know some of the talent there. The uh, I can't think of his name. Uh, uh, Keith Lee. Can you imagine Gresham and Keith Lee uh, opposing uh, almost anybody, or just Gresham against a, a lot of that talent there? But Impact. That's to their gain, and their shows are can't miss. I mean, I don't really fast forward any of Impact. No, I don't uh, either. And they've got strong women's division. You know, Mickey James is still killing it. Jordan Grace has won so many competitions. So she's a little less focused on her because she's been in all of these bodybuilding competitions. Just killing they keep getting, it. And she has transformed her body. She doesn't even look like the same person. And she's always been great, fantastic, incredible athlete. Uh, they're not capitalizing on talking about that. That's like when Mick Foley was in TNA and they weren't mentioning when he'd appear on Jon Stewart's Daily Show. I go, how are you not talking about this? How are they not talking about Jordan Grace in all these international competitions and 
show some videos. That's a, another thing that galls me, it bugs me. AEW has so much talent that when people are gone for X period of time, why not show a video 20 seconds of Chris Stantlett, or here's what she's been doing, or here's what's going like, on with recover, this. A recovery type of thing, an update sort of thing, just so you Keep have her in your, in your mind. Yeah, because that way you don't have the talent fretting, gee, am I going to lose my spot? Or then when they do come back and they're healthy, they've got to do a bunch of insane high spots to get back all over again, which you know could possibly endanger them. Mm -hmm. uh, just keep, you know, they should have a little segment on what's going on with these talents you're not seeing on TV. And just educate their audience or say, hey, if you go to our website and da-da-da-da, you can see how their progress is or what they've been doing or if they've been working in England or Japan or Mexico or wherever, South America. Well, you know, Mike, it looks like uh, we have uh, the, the timekeeper's given me the eye. We're, we're we're close to running out of time. I want to thank you for uh, being on the program this week. It's always great to catch up with you, and hopefully, we could do it again to talk more of these contemporary uh, topics going on in the world of pro wrestling. I, I think to close quickly. Yes. Uh, I think because we're all in this together, it's a community. We all want all of these groups, from WWE down to GCW to anybody to Big Japan, Battle Arts, what have you. We want them all to succeed. Uh, I, I met two guys, I, I don't have any stake in the game because my photos aren't in either book, but two nice guys at RussellCon. They both have brand new books out. I see them right at Barnes & Noble. We walk in the store and these guys, it's their first wrestling books ever. One is American Wrestling 1989 by Charlie Jenkins. Another is the first finally book since uh, I think the docu and the other book on Vince McMahon were squash. Ringmaster, Vince McMahon and the Unmaking of America by Abraham Reisman, R-I-E-S-M-A-N, R-I-E-S-M-A-N. And these guys are buddies. They had a booth together at WrestleCon, you know, right in front of Lex Luger and Matt Hardy and uh, the Steiners before anything happened at that WrestleCon. Mm -hmm. But get out there and check out books because we have so few. It's not like just 10, 15 years ago where a lot of wrestling books were being ground out. Medusa's book is out now. She's had to hustle and get all the PR out to make it number one of all wrestling books. She's been, I think, on the New York Times bestseller list. So support all your promotions, your indie promotions, your wrestling books, and whatever you uh, you love. And, uh, and we want everyone, or at least I, I know I speak for most, we all want all these groups to succeed and be more entertaining. So less Vince McMahon, get rid of that shoe black and that mustache, please. Yes, yes, yes. If we see him wearing a medallion, then we know he's gone full Max Bear Jr. Yeah, no tie with the open shirt and the, the fake uh, hair coming out of the, the chest hair out of the shirt. <laughs> How we get into these conversations, I'll never know. Thank you so much, Mike. And thank you to uh, the Grizzle Vet Mike McCurdy down there deep in the heart of Texas. This has been Wrestling Memories.